back in the fur shed for episode 57 of the Trapping Today podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jeremiah Wood. It's great to be here. Very, very excited to be with you each and every week. And lots of things going on. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of our land trapping season here in northern Maine. Uh, my Martin and Fisher line has been pulled and moving on to other things. Lots of things going on and I think all for the good on, on my front. So, uh, you know, been been busy, had all kinds of issues with stressing out on things and all kinds of things. You know, I was teaching a college class, if you can believe that. <laughs> um, I was teaching a class uh, for the last few months in addition to full-time job and trapping and running that big trap line in the big woods and a million other things, and it was just killing me. It's over. So uh, things are starting to slow down, and it's just such a great feeling. And the most exciting thing is... Uh, that I really, really look forward to doing more with this podcast, <clears throat> with trappingtoday.com, with the YouTube videos, and all that stuff is just, it's really energizing me. It's exciting. I love it. I love to hear from you guys. Uh, <clears throat> I love you to spread the word and have more trappers hear about this, more trappers listen to the podcast. It's just good stuff. It's growing, and we're sharing news uh, all around the trapping world. Love it. So lots of things I'm looking forward to doing this winter. Uh, as far as trapping goes, our under ice beaver trapping season is it's here. I mean, any time you could go. <clears throat> and my plan was uh, around the first of January, I was gonna go into get into the under ice beaver trapping and uh, start start uh, setting up a few different lodges. And I think I'm going to stay on that schedule. I, I may be a little bit ahead of that, actually. But it, it's uh, it's a great, great time. Um, fur handling season is here. So I've been doing up Martin and Fisher a few at a time, working here in the fur shed. Uh, we had, we've had a terribly cold and brutal snowy winter so far. And, and today, I guess today is the first day or the second day of official winter. And we already had two and a half feet of snow on the ground, and we had just, it's been unbelievably cold. Our lakes uh, froze over, all of our big lakes, everything's froze over a month earlier than normal. It's just been nuts. And actually, we had the first day of winter was the warmest day we've had in two months. It actually warmed up uh, first time it got above freezing in over a month, and it was 50 degrees, we got at least an inch and a half of rain, maybe two inches of rain. Uh, we lost a, over a foot of snow, maybe more. It's just been crazy. And now the northwest wind is, it was a beautiful day today. It was outside most of the day. And now the south wind shifted to northwest wind. It's blowing hard right now, and it's blowing in some cold. It's going to be below freezing now for the next seven or ten day forecast. Is I don't know. I don't think it's going to get above freezing at all. So we're back into the Arctic blast, um, and that's good. That's going to firm. We lost some snow. It's going to firm things up. It's going to make travel really good for getting around to those beaver lodges. I'm excited for that. So anyway, uh, with the trapping side of things, uh, tonight's episode is going to be titled, What Do You Want From Me? And before we get into that, 
I don't want to forget our sponsor. The Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. Cots Brothers, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S. Cotsbros.com is where you find them. Find their website. Lots of stuff there. Awesome, awesome guys to work with. Very competitive prices. Um, they they have all kinds of different stuff. Um, they have a rewards program. Uh, if you if you order with them, you start earning points automatically. Uh, it's a great deal. Um, they they already have really great prices. Um, tons of lures and baits, traps, um, variety of different trapping supplies. So great guys to work with. And uh, check them out at that website. Uh, give them a try. Place an order. Tell them you heard about them from the Trapping Today podcast. That would be so awesome um, to spread the word. And um, one interesting thing about Cots Bros is if you didn't realize, they are the owners of the TS-85 trap. Um, that 8.5 inch uh, jaw spread, huge beaver trap. Uh, most people use it for beavers, and it is a great, great trap for, for running uh, long lines for beavers. So um, something to think about if you want to gear up on some, with some TS-85s, uh, get them from Cots Bros. All right, so what do you want from me? I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about a few different things, but um, <clears throat> the the main theme here is I'm in a position to start working on a project. And I usually do a project every winter. Uh, one winter was the uh, the fur guide, which was kind of the initial stages of my book, Fur Profit, which, by the way, you can buy a copy of Fur Profit, A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. If you haven't already bought it, you're killing me, man. Uh, help out, support the podcast, support Trapping Today. Get a copy of that book. Um, if you really want to save money, you don't mind reading it on the computer or on your iPad or whatever, that's five bucks for an ebook. Come on, you get it immediately, no shipping. So get on to trappingtoday.com. You can pop up that ebook for five dollars, just make a payment there. Uh, it's a secure process, it's easy to do. <clears throat> Takes PayPal, credit cards, whatever. And uh, get that, or you can order the physical book. If you order it from trappingtoday.com, uh, I physically ship those. I've got a couple hundred here in the office uh, at home, and uh, I ship them out personally. If you want, you can get it from Cots Bros. They've got a stock, got them in stock. Um, <clears throat> you can get it at Amazon.com. Uh, I think it's eligible for Prime free shipping. You can get them from F&T for Harvester's Trading Post. Uh, Keith Winkler at Sterling Fur Company has them. Uh, and a number of other. John Chagnon, PCS Outdoors. Haven't talked about him in a while. Got to catch up with John. Um, they they all carry the book and a number of other dealers. So check it out. Would be awesome uh, for you to get a copy of that. Uh, but that was one project uh, last winter. That was the major project, and I ended up last early last spring. I ended up publishing that book and, and getting it printed, and that was uh, that was the big project for last winter. And uh, I I try to to do a little bit every winter. Um, so I I'm really feeling energized about the podcast, the website, the uh, the YouTube channel, the Instagram, uh, and. And I'm committed to doing things uh, a little more, being a little more aggressive with uh, trying to produce more for trappers, put more out there, and uh, and and develop 
products to sell. I, I want to I want to uh, create an additional income uh, that's going to help support me and my family while I do something that I enjoy. That's always kind of been a dream of mine. So uh, I want to produce something that has value to you that you're willing to pay for that uh, that you'd like to see. So I, I want to get some feedback on that. What do you want from me? Um, I have some ideas. I have a... Uh, there's a legendary trapper from Maine who uh, has was around for a very long time. He had a big, he's a big major name in the trapping industry. I've had, uh, I've been thinking for quite a while now about writing a book uh, about him, putting together a book with a bunch of his stuff. And uh, a fellow trapper uh, this summer at Neil Olson's Trappers Weekend encouraged me to do that. Um, I'm I'm looking at maybe doing that this winter. Would you be interested in buying a book? Would you would you uh, pay up for a, a book about a legendary fur trapper, lure maker, and so on? Um, uh, under ice beaver trapping, I've thought about uh, putting together a book on that for beginners, ha- the different sets and and uh, sort of a general guide to under ice beaver trapping, snaring conibears, foothold traps. Uh, a DVD, possibly. I probably, I probably wouldn't do DVDs. Probably would be kind of a, a online uh, video uh, that you could you could purchase uh, and watch. Uh, other book ideas are just a, a something on martin trapping, maybe martin and fisher trapping. There's a number of things. Lures. Do you want me to make some some different types of lures? Uh, different things you want to try out. All kinds of options and opportunities. So. What I want to do is I'm going to have a little giveaway because I want to get this information from you. Now, you can contact me at jrodwood at gmail.com. That's J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. And I'm going to give away, I've got four Cots Bros t-shirts left and uh, two size medium, two size extra large. Uh, I want to give those away uh, but I want ideas on what you as uh, a trapper and consumer in the trapping industry would like to see. Uh, something, uh, whether it's a, a physical product, a lure, a DVD, a book, um, video, a training course. I, I don't know. Wh- whatever. What do you want to see that you would be willing to pay for? T-shirts for Trapping Today, bumper stickers. I'm open to pretty much anything if it has to do with trapping and it's illegal, moral, and ethical. Um, so, you know, let, let's uh, let's shoot those ideas out at me, uh, jrodwood at gmail.com. Uh, anybody that has an idea that I think is really worthy of consideration that I'm going to seriously consider, um, uh, depending on how many I get, I think, uh, you know, if I get four really good ideas, I'm going to send each of you for a t-shirt. Uh, you know, I'm going to pay shipping. I'm going to send that to you for free. So, uh, shoot those ideas at me. Let me know. I'm, I'm excited to hear from you. Uh, maybe there's nothing. Maybe, uh, maybe I just continue to grow the listenership, the podcast and sell more sponsorships. I, I have not pursued that. I probably will. So, uh, different things to consider, different options. Send me an email with what you think. What do you want from me? All right. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. I think I'm going to go into some listener feedback and uh, talk about a little bit of my local weasel trap line I ran with my uh, my boys here at, at the farm. So any trapper that has young children 
I think has a desire to get them into trapping. Um, it's it's just natural, you know. We do things that we love, and we really want to get our kids involved in it because we love our kids, and we want them to enjoy those things as well. But it's very hard at times to take a kid out. Um, depending on your situation, if you're running a really long trap line, it takes hours. You know, my Martin and Fisher line was was deep, deep into the woods. Uh, in very remote, no cell phone service, no services or anything. A uh, couple hour drive on dirt roads with logging trucks all over the roads. Uh, snowmobile, uh, 40, 50 miles of line on snowmobile at times. And uh, wading through the snow, walking back and forth to, to 40, 50 or more different sets. It's just crazy to take, you can't take a five year old on that. I mean, I can't. Um, and and certainly can't take a three-year-old. So I got two boys, three and five, and I want to get them involved in trapping, but uh, it's it's sometimes can become difficult. So earlier this season, I was had the boys in the fur shed, and they're just kind of playing around, uh, staying. Get mom got them out of her hair and sent them to the fur shed to hang out with dad, and uh, we started talking about uh, weasel trapping. And I thought it would be kind of cool. We'd seen a bunch of weasel tracks on the farm. And I thought it would be cool if we maybe set a trap for a weasel and see what we could catch. And we did. We went out, and, and I mentioned this before. My five-year-old and I went out and set uh, a trap for weasels. We, we had to use these Lynx exclusion devices uh, with 120 body grips. And uh, we, we baited those with some, some fresh meat. And the 120s had Connie pans on them, which which I find is much more effective for catching weasels. Although you still miss a lot, a lot will step on the pan and won't trip the the the, the pan, won't trip the trap. Um, and we used uh, I had bought some an ounce of Hawbaker's weasel lure, and we put a little bit of that in there. He was all excited about smelling the lure and putting it on a stick and putting it in. And, uh, so anyway, we we set that trap and we checked it a couple times. We didn't catch anything. And I said, you know what? Uh, we really need to increase our odds here uh, of catching something. So uh, one afternoon, I think it was like a Sunday afternoon, I said, son, you, you want to go out and set some more traps? He said, yeah. So we went out and we set four more. So we had a line of five sets, five links exclusion devices uh, that are uh, spread out around the farm. I mean, the area that they're spread out on is probably about Oh, probably about 30 acres, I would say. And we we set those out and we started checking them just about every night. And we, we were checking them on snowmobile. Uh, he, uh, sometimes we, we'd pick the set together. And then like one time I said, you decide where you want it to be. And he, we were walking in the woods. And, and uh, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but we saw a fisher track. It came out of the woods. Uh, into the field and uh, we decided to follow it back in the woods and uh, we got into the woods a little bit and he saw this uprooted cedar tree and there was a just a you know kind of a, a an open area underneath that the root wad underneath the roots of that tree it was kind of like a cave like area and he was all excited about that he said that's where the fisher's home is that's where he's living he said we need to set the trap in his home and of course it was wet it was, there was water in there and and the snow was deep, and I'm piling through snow, carrying that box, and then going under that root, and there's a little, kind of a little spring in there, and 
uh, climbing in there, and I got the box in the back of there, and I said, I hope you're happy. I said, uh, there's a lot of work to set in there. He said, no, that's where the fisher lives. Um, anyway, we never did catch something there, and I ended up moving that set out uh, out further on the edge of the field. Uh, but we had those five sets, and I think it was, I don't know if it was the second or third check, um, we had some fresh weasel tracks around, and, and we went up to, um, on that check of the five traps, it was the third trap that we checked. We pulled up on the snowmobile, and I could see that the springs uh, had opened up, and uh, the jaws had had shut on the trap. So I went over to the box, and I looked in, and sure enough, there was a weasel there. Uh, so it was his first weasel. It was so exciting. So I saw it was there, and and then I kind of, uh, I put the the uh, video, um, <clears throat> the camera on my phone, and I started recording video of him walking up to the box, and I undid the um, the the hinge on the box and op- opened it up. I let him look in the box first, and he looked in. And I shined my light from my phone. And uh, there was that weasel, and man, he was so excited! It's a weasel! So I opened up the box and and uh, showed him pulling out the weasel, and we got some pictures of that and stuff. And that was just the coolest thing ever. He was so excited, his very first weasel. Uh, so we took that home, showed it to mom and his little brother. Um, <clears throat> just a great, great feeling um, that you know, kid can can enjoy enjoy checking traps like that. He may never end up being a trapper, but at least I can't say I didn't try. So we got it home, put the weasel in the freezer, and and I think we'll set that aside, and we may try to get that tanned uh, for him, and and he can keep that as as his first weasel. So the next time we went out to check those traps, I think it was a couple days later, his little brother, every time, his little brother is three years old, and every time we go out, he starts crying. He wants to go. He wants to go. He, that kid, since he was a baby, he wanted to be outside. So uh, he was this time he was crying so much that I just I gave in. I finally said, all right, Mom, get him dressed up. I'll take him. So I took both of them on the snowmobile, and we're always checking in the dark because I'm getting home from work between 5 and 5.30. It gets dark a little after 4 o'clock here right now. So we're always in the dark, and we're on the snowmobile, we're riding out, and uh, we checked uh, the first three, and we got to the fourth trap, and on that fourth set, we, me and my oldest son had seen a weasel track go into the box, the check before, and it went in, it was feeding on the bait, it went out, back in, back out, and it never tripped the trap, it just... Uh, nothing happened. I said, you know what, son, we're going to get a weasel there eventually. Um, I've had that happen a lot in the big woods. You get them coming in and out and out, and eventually they step wrong or they put a little too much weight on that pan and they get caught. Uh, and sure enough, we I went there with the two boys, and uh, they they went up to the trap, and there was a white weasel inside there. So that was really cool to see. Uh, so it was uh, my oldest, his second weasel, and my youngest, his first weasel. Um, great, great experience for both of them. So w- the whole time we'd set these, made these sets, we'd seen this track going through the field, and I knew it wasn't a fox track, and it was hard to, wasn't fresh, uh, but I was quite certain it was a fisher track. 
uh, we got a fresh snow and then we got a fresh set of tracks and when we were checking this we got this second weasel that fisher track was all over fresh set fresh set of tracks and he was walking back and forth he was skirting the edge of the woods edge of the tree line coming out in the field a little ways you could tell he was hunting um, <clears throat> and and we we saw these weasel tracks or these fisher tracks all over the place and so it was pretty exciting and we're going to set number five, the last box that we had out, and the weasel track, the fish, sorry, the Fisher tracks were going straight to that box, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" We got a Fisher. First of all, there's a Fisher on the farm, which uh, I just talked with an old timer that used to trap here. He said there were never used to be Fishers here, but all this farmland is starting to grow up, and the Fishers are moving moving out um, uh, from the more of the the edges into this this area into this river bottom that they they used to not be very common in uh, but we know there's fishers here but there's a fisher near right nearby and that fisher is coming by our sets what are the odds we could catch a fisher on this little weasel line in a 120 so uh, of course i caught five out in the big woods but that's that's where those fishers live so we followed those tracks and the tracks went right to the box and we went up to the box and the trap was set off and I could tell right away if you don't see a tail of the backside of these links exclusion devices you don't get a fisher um, so so we didn't have one but I looked in there that fisher had gone in he had stolen he had what I'm guessing happened is I've seen them do this before he had circled the box and he'd gone on top of the box and stepped on it and played around and he tried to get in from the back and from the side where the, the slots are that hold the springs and he set that trap off and later on after he'd already set that trap off he finally went into the entrance of the box which is a four inch by four inch opening and he stole all the bait he just climbed right over the trap took the bait took it out and left so we had a bit of a letdown but pretty exciting stuff because uh, there was a fisher there and there's a fisher that went into Link's exclusion device uh, you already won half the battle but at that point so we reset the trap uh, we we got some more bait we added fresh bait to the trap reset it and uh, went back home showed off our weasel and everything and I believe it was two checks after that um, the both boys came a little guy was just crying to come with us uh, so so I took him along so I had two boys on the snowmobile we went to the, the trap number four the one just before that and there's a tail sticking out of the box we had a fisher so we caught a fisher 200 yards from the house in a Lynx exclusion device on the boys weasel trap line coolest coolest thing ever um, that was just the most exciting thing to pull up there on the snowmobile and the headlights of the snowmobile are shining on the box and I see that tail sticking out and then I recorded the boys I was taking pictures of them walking up uh, walking up to the box and looking at the fisher and there's just this huge big thing you know it was, uh, it was a female fisher and it wasn't massive it was like uh, like seven or eight pounds uh, but for them, that's a big animal. So uh, they were super, super excited. Um, and we put a tag on that guy and took him home and got all kinds of pictures. And, man, that was that was awesome. 
So that was a great experience. Uh, we're going to do that again next year. Um, really, really excited about it. And I hope the boys continue to be excited about it. And I will take them along checking beaver traps this winter uh, for under ice beaver when the ice is, is uh, I'm, I'm certain it's everything is safe and, the, and uh, everything is convenient to bring them along. Uh, I'm going to do that. But uh, just a, a really nice uh, experience to add to my trapping resume. Now, it is time to get into some listener feedback. Uh, again, I love hearing from you guys. Shoot me an email with any of your comments or questions. It's uh, great to know what you're thinking, where you are from, uh, and what you want to know about trapping, what you like about the show, what you don't like, and maybe not what you don't like, but be honest, and what you'd like to see, what you'd like to learn about. So I'm going to go over just a few emails I've gotten in the past week. Um... I got Tom from Georgia, uh, actually Tom from Florida. Um, he's been listening for a few weeks, and he has a 10-year-old who decides he wants to trap. So that is really exciting when a kid decides he wants to trap. And this has happened many, many times where a youngster decides they want to trap, and if they're really young, uh, it's kind of incumbent on their parent to... Uh, to maybe do something to help that trapping, uh, that passion for wanting to get trapping. You know, if the parent doesn't do anything about it, I mean, that's just kind of, uh, it's difficult for a kid to get into it, you know. Um, For me, my dad knew that I wanted to trap, uh, and uh, he really had nothing he could do about it because he was a hunter and fisherman, but he never trapped before. But he met a guy that moved down the road, and he found out the guy was a trapper, and he let him know, said, my son really wants to learn how to trap, and he kind of got me hooked up with him, so uh, that was the start, you know, I know other people who, uh, they wanted to trap, and, and their dad never trapped, but their dad took them to a trapper safety course, and actually, my dad did that too, but, and then their dad, like, started trapping themselves to try and get them into it, so it's kind of cool to hear Tom talk about that. Uh, Speaking of getting into trapping, a little side note, but uh, I think me and Cole are going to have a talk about that here for a future episode on, uh, on how to learn and how, 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 what it's like getting started. And if you remember, I, I interviewed Noah in an episode quite a while back on the same kind of subject on getting into trapping, getting started. So it's, I always find that to be a pretty interesting perspective, but he is, uh, he has some, I guess his father has some land in Georgia, and he's talking about trapping for beavers um, and looking for sign and trying to figure out, you know, if this is a beaver run or not. So uh, we uh, we emailed a little bit about that, and and um, <clears throat> you know he brought up a good point. There's there's a difference, you know, between the north and the south. Um, there, a lot of things are different. Trapping isn't the same. Beavers aren't the same north versus south. So uh, not not everything is comparable. A lot of things are not. However, uh, there are things, there are universal things um, that, that oftentimes uh, you can't go wrong. Like a beaver's going to chew on sticks. Um, and a beaver's going to make a dam, make a house. So... Uh, other than that, you know, there's a lot of other variables, but uh, but we talked about some basics that are common. 
another beaver question from Luke in Montana. And he is trapping an area where there were beavers. There's a landowner, a rancher, that's having beaver problems. And the beavers had been living in this irrigation ditch. But now irrigation season's over. The ditch is dried up. And he's wanting to know about, you know, uh, are the beavers going to spend the winter there in that bank den? Uh, even though there's no water left in the ditch, or what's going on? And uh, my my response to Luke was, uh, you know, the the beef. If there's no water in the ditch, the beaver's not going to stick around. Um, there are just too many opportunities for a predator to uh, to climb in there and kill that beaver. Um, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is coyote. Uh, uh, beavers rely on water for their protection from predators. So uh, it, it, what likely happened there is that when the ditch got turned off, the beavers moved into the main river that that ditch comes out of and drains into. And uh, they, they, uh, they set up shop somewhere else. So unfortunately, it's just a case where sometimes... Uh, actually, I actually have trapped uh, in that area that Luke uh, is, is asking about. So it was kind of interesting to get thinking again about sort of some of my experiences there. Uh, and it's kind of exciting because I can actually picture exactly where he is. But anyway, uh, you, you're going to have to look. You're going to have to cover some ground uh, if you really want to figure out where those beavers went because uh, they can move. If they have to, they can move long distances. The next one is, let's see, Kevin from Wisconsin. Uh, he had a really good question. He wants to know more about fur grading. And this is something that I really don't know a lot about, to be honest with you. And I need to learn more about as well. So his his thoughts were, uh, like, you see all of these terms, section one, section two, uh, less kits, damage, western, eastern, pale, semi-heavy, top lot, selects, damaged, uh, but he said, I've never really found a good definition for everything included in the, these reports. Uh, is there a way you could summarize these terms? Any others I may have missed so that when I read a report, I'm comparing apples to apples on prices. And a discussion on what's most important when it comes to grading for different species like size, color, primeness, uh, and things, other things that don't matter as much. So that is an awesome question, Kevin. It's one that I'm sure a lot of other listeners are interested in. And it's something that is definitely an area that I could could really learn a lot from. So my thoughts are I'm going to do some research in that area uh, and come up with some, uh, some information for a future podcast. Uh, but the other thing that I'm going to do is try to get somebody on here and interview someone uh, that really knows uh, a lot about this, uh, about fur grading and fur quality uh, to, to explain more of that to us. And, and uh, Garrett, if you're listening, um, I remember the email I got from you a while back and I'm going to take you up on that if you're still listening and you're still interested. Uh, I really want to talk to you. Uh, uh, Garrett is a is a fur buyer, and he would be able, I think, to share a lot of really good information 
with us uh, about that. So uh, we're going to try and see if we can line up that interview, if he's still cool with that. And uh, <clears throat> in the meantime, I'll try to get more information on that, Kevin. Uh, so I appreciate that that question and email. Uh, Bobcat trapping. Anthony wants to start trapping cats. He says he watched Clint Locklear's YouTube videos uh, about how to make sets, uh, but has no supplies. Wants to know about traps and and pans and everything. Uh, traps, pans, and lures. So, uh, Anthony, I'm going to send you an email with some information on that uh, as soon as I get the chance. I'm going to try to do it tonight if I don't fall asleep first. But uh, the it, it, basically what I'm going to do is send you. I'll send you some information and what oftentimes. What, if you guys have a specific question about equipment and gear to use, uh, I will pull some things up and send you links to that information. And what the link is, it's basically a link that takes you right to the product. Uh, people, A lot of people have asked, well, what's the grease that you use for your lure, your long-distance call lure? Um, what do you use for this? What do I use for that? And oftentimes I think, well, I could tell you this is what you need to get, or I can send you a link that's going to be something you can just click on and boom it's there and you can order it now the benefit of the link is convenience for you but it's also it benefits me uh, because I have an affiliate relationship with Amazon and eBay where if I pull up that product and it's available on Amazon for a decent price I will uh, do a few clicks and I'll come up with a link that I send to you by email if you click on that and you go ahead and order that product through Amazon, uh, about I get about 4 or 5% of your order. So it doesn't cost you anything extra. Amazon just basically gives me uh, a little kickback for referring you. So what that does is it, it um, it's kind of a way for you to support Trapping Today and help me provide income from the podcast and from the website uh, without costing you any extra money. So occasionally I'll do that if you see the link. If you don't mind clicking on it, that helps helps me. Hopefully it helps you. Um, if I can't, you know, if there's nothing available or if Amazon hasn't, it's like, or eBay hasn't, it's like an outrageous price, uh, I'm going to send you something else uh, that, or I'll tell you where to get it, even though I don't have any type of affiliate link for that or anything. Um, I'll, I'll help you out either way, whether it's, it's going to help me or not. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to steer you in the right direction either way, um, but I will tell you that uh, you mentioned those big pans, and that's kind of an easy thing to answer. Those big pans that Clint uses are um, manufactured by Expandapan, and Expandapan is a company started by Chip Davis, and Chip is in uh, I believe Mississippi. I don't know if Chip listens to the podcast. I've emailed with him a little bit. He is an unbelievably nice guy, just an incredibly kind, uh, just just a really good person. Uh, he occasionally sits in for Clint Locklear on the Trapping Radio uh, podcast. So uh, that comes out once a week, and uh, Chip is really good friends with Clint. They do a lot of stuff together, and uh, Chip has... Uh, started this uh, company where he actually has like a, I think he has a, a plasma cutter where he cuts out 
these pans for that are designed to fit different traps. And the expander pan is essentially like you think about a, a standard trap pan, and then you kind of have to have a pan cover, in you know for a dirt hole set for a foothold trap. You're gonna have let's say you have a number three bridger, and the pan what's the pan there two inches by four inches or something like that, whatever it is, three inches by four inches. There's a huge space there between the pan and the jaws of the trap. Uh, that's kind of just empty area. And typically you're going to put like a wire screen pan cover or some other pan cover to uh, to put dirt over that's going to kind of hold up the dirt and, and it'll keep dirt from getting underneath the pan. And it'll also kind of, if, if you have a rigid uh, wire screen pan cover, it's going to increase the catch area because as an, if an animal steps on the screen, that's going to compress on the pan and set the trap off. Expanded pans basically has in my opinion just kind of gone around the need for that pan cover where you just have the pan is so big it covers almost the entire space between in the inside of the jaws and the pans you'll notice they have like these weird notches uh, going in and out of them and that's to <clears throat> provide room for different parts of the trap like when the levers come up you don't want the pan to be interfering with the action of the levers and each trap is different so it requires a different design so the expanded pans, um, there's some controversy around them, I guess, because some people believe that they result in toe catches. Uh, Chip has talked about that a lot. Clint has talked about that. I, it seems that that's kind of up in the air. I, I don't know that they really result in any toe catches. I think that has a little more to do with pan tension than, than foot placement. Uh, but they are becoming extremely popular. They are a specialty product. They're not like mass produced really, so they're not cheap. They're actually quite expensive. Uh, but the people who use them absolutely love them. And uh, they, I guess, you know, they're pretty, if that's what you're looking for, that's a pretty decent investment, especially if you're trapping for coyotes or bobcats, a pretty high dollar animal. Um, the expanded pans can, can uh, potentially make you uh, much more effective. So. Uh, that that one expanded pans I can get back to you right now. That's the uh, chip. I think it's expandapantraps.com. I'm gonna Google it right now and I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, it's www.expandapantraps.com. So check that out. Talk to Chip. Uh, email him or I think it's Chip at expandapantraps.com. Let them know Jeremiah from Trapping Today podcast sent you. That'd be really cool. Um, I know I know Chip is always helping out people, so I love the opportunity to help him out as well. So um, let's see contact. I'm gonna give you this right now. It is oh ex- expand a pan e x p a n d a p a n at gmail.com. There you go. Simple, simple, simple. All right, Anthony, I'll get back to you with an email. Uh, Brandon, Oklahoma, want to get into trapping, don't know where to start, what is needed. Uh, Boy, that's a broad question, Brandon. I'm going to get back to you. Um, But basically, I've had this uh, question many times before, and talk to someone, try to find a trapper in your area. That's the best way to get started. Find someone local that's willing to take you under their wing and show you some some pointers. 
your local trappers association, uh, Oklahoma trappers. Uh, you know, if you have a local chapter or something, look that up. Try to figure that out, and uh, that that's probably your best bet because really what you're asking is is really broad, and um, without a mentor to help you, um, you're not going to learn everything right off. Uh, the other potential option is focus on one species, one type of trapping. Maybe just say, I want to catch muskrats. So figure out exactly what you need to be able to catch muskrats and trap for muskrats. Get your trapping license, look at the laws and regulations, buy some traps, maybe some 110 body grips, uh, something simple, watch some videos on YouTube, uh, uh, buy a book or something, you know, just go through some stuff and uh, uh, post up on some, some websites, some chat boards, some, some forums, and uh, work your way up that way. Read, 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 watch, 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 and you will learn. But anyway, Brandon, uh, I wish you the best of luck and hope that someone is nearby you that could, could really take you under their wing. And keep listening to the podcast. Now, uh, we have a message from Steve. Now, Steve has been messaging. We've been emailing back and forth for uh, the last few weeks. And Steve bought a bottle of my long-distance call lure. Um, if you're, uh, Most of you hear me talk about it enough. Uh, but the Trapping Today long-distance call lure is a grease-based LDC with skunk essence and a bunch of other musks uh, incorporated into it. Um, I use it on my trap line. I use it at every single one of my Martin and Fisher sets at this point. I love it. It's I developed it because I was having issues with uh, uh, longevity and uh, staying power and, and lure holding up to the elements, uh, rain, cold weather, fluctuations in temperature and precipitation. And I absolutely love this lure. Works awesome. Had a lot of good feedback. Um, it does cost quite a bit to make, and I kind of, um, I, I have had a pretty low price on the lure, where you know I'm not really making much at all on it, because I wanted to, uh, to just get it out in people's hands and uh, get people using it and get feedback and and stuff, and I I almost think that I don't know if that was a mistake, uh, because, uh, you know I've got a lot to learn about marketing. I'm not really a marketer at all. I just love trapping. I'm I'm a good communicator in a lot of ways, and uh, I I do like the idea of, of selling things and and <clears throat> and trying to uh, effectively uh, develop income from things that I love, like trapping. But uh, the marketing strategy of having a low cost trapping lure, I don't know. Maybe it's not. The most effective because I think a lot of people equate value with price and they assume that if your price is low which my lure was uh, you know is, is the lowest price that you could get a lure at for the most part but it's it was because not because the ingredients are cheap it's because I wasn't making any money on it um, so uh, I think it gives the impression to a lot of consumers that that don't know otherwise that you know, this price is low, the lure must not be very effective. It must not be a good lure. And they equate a high price a lot of times with a high quality lure. So I'm battling with that a little bit. I raised the price. Um, 
the last last week. It's now uh, I get it at twenty five dollars for a four ounce bottle. Uh, that's that is free shipping. Um, I may up it again a little bit. Uh, twenty five, you know, I, I I think that's fair. Uh, it's in line with with other trapping lures, and it's just a it's a high quality lure. Maybe I'll bump it up more. But uh, anyway, Steve bought uh, a bottle of lure, and Steve was fisher trapping. So he was looking at, uh, you know, he's in Pennsylvania and he's trapped for a very long time. However, he's never been able to trap Fisher near home because they've always had a closed season. They recently opened up the season and now he's getting into it. And he bought some long distance call lure. He's asking all kinds of questions about lure, placement, lure use, boxes, uh, you know, cubbies, uh, body grip traps, where to make sets and everything. So we're back and forth. And I, uh, I enjoy, you know, going back and forth with him. Um, so I get this email from five days ago uh, about boxes and about uh, where the sets are. He says we had quite a lot of rain, like t- over two inches. And how does your long distance cl- call lure take the hard rains? We're going to get another inch plus on Friday into Saturday. Should I put more LDC out if I'm not smelling it after the uh, after these heavy rains? So anyway, uh, I responded to him. You know, I basically responded, if you can't smell it and you walk all the way around, you're downwind, you can't smell it, yeah, I think you should be adding more. But, um, you know, the, the just just smell it first because sometimes you'll be surprised. Uh, this grease-based lure, it really does hold up quite well. And uh, there's a lot in it. So uh, there's a lot of skunk essence. There's a lot of other, other stuff in the lure. Uh, so I responded to that. And then uh, I got another email from Steve a couple days later. And he says, today was the day. This is the first year my area is open to fisher trapping. And I caught a big male. It weighed 12 pounds, 13 ounces. This was caught using your long distance call lure. Cronks, Allagash Fur Call Lure, and Ground Beaver Meat. Attached are some pictures. Thanks for all the information and so on. So Steve has a picture of him with that big fisher, and it is just awesome. So that is is really rewarding. After he got all that rain, um, he was able to get a fisher to uh, to come into that set and make the catch. Uh, so that is, that is just really cool. So thanks, Steve. Um, I'm going to chatting with you see if maybe I could put that picture of your fisher you and your fisher up on the website uh, to show other people uh, that's pretty awesome all right so we are running out of time um, I've got a couple other things that we will talk about in the next episode really excited stay tuned for some more some interviews some other things uh, going on in the podcast and make sure to remember to uh, email me jrodwood at gmail.com j-r-o-d-w-o-o-d at gmail.com what do you want from me what do you want to see what's a product a book a video a course do you want me to charge money for the podcast do you want to donate to the podcast do you want to buy a t-shirt uh, a bumper sticker do you want to just get everything for free and not uh pay anything for anything (laughs) i guess you could do that not really gonna motivate me to continue to do a podcast but um, some people do think everything in life for free that is just not the case 
um, just let me know. Give me some feedback. I'm going to give away some t-shirts. Those will be free, uh, but you're going to pay for it by giving me some good advice on what to pursue this winter. So uh, with that, thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys for listening. And uh, let's keep on thinking trapping, keep on talking trapping, and get out there and set some traps. Um, until next time, we will uh, see you later. Oh, and by the way, it's if you're listening to this right after it airs, Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday. hope you have a great time with friends and family, and hope you're still able to set some traps. All right, take care.